0: What we as a private company see as, you know, God's gift to humanity, they believe is, is something really scary because all of a sudden...
1: Welcome to the podcast B2B Saw CEOs with me, Joseph Falsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B Saw CEO, And therefore, I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey.
0: Hi, my name is Johan Gustafsson, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Isiba Care. And you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs.
1: Hi, and welcome Joan. Hi Josef, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here and first thing first, what does VisibaCare Care do? Please, do the elevator
0: pitch. To make it easy to grasp for people outside of healthcare, I would say that we build similar technology as companies like Kry uh, and Babylon, but we deliver it like a B2B SaaS platform for existing healthcare organizations. And to explain that a little bit more, we help often large and complex healthcare organizations to digitally transform their services. Basically, we will open up a digital white-labeled front door to our customers' healthcare services. And from that starting point, we can digitally transform the whole patient journey and increase the number of digitalized or automated touch points along a whole patient journey, which will radically increase efficiency and accessibility. And today we have around 60 customers um, implemented in more than 2,500 clinics and 35,000 healthcare professionals that work across six markets with our platform.
1: And Johan, this leads me into the next topic: Why Missiva How did you end up with that idea and business?
0: Basically, in the in the fall of 2013, I started having a discussion with with a couple of friends uh, about healthcare and why there's so much great technology out there, but healthcare wasn't using any of it. Um, And I guess we all had different experiences, uh, more from a patient perspective, none of us had worked in healthcare before. Um, But we basically just said, you know, there's there's, there's so much great technology here, we need to help healthcare um, take advantage of that and make that sort of a a more convenient and pleasant experience for, for patients. And probably my biggest inspiration for pursuing this business idea is is my my firstborn, uh, my, my daughter, who's now sixteen. W- she was born with with uh, a heart disease and uh, a syndrome that basically made us spend a tremendous amount of time in in all parts of healthcare, um, primary care, secondary care, uh, constantly in the in the ER department, uh, and so on. So. I just sort of saw all those things that could be improved uh, while spending all that time and, and felt that, you know, this is a, a great opportunity to really make a difference.
1: Wow, I, I didn't know this personal angle, uh, really powerful. This this is, explains a lot. And uh, now we are entering in, I, I actually putting it very early in this episode, the first external question, because I thought when I saw the question, this is relevant to have very early in the episode. So, Okay. It's time for the first external question. And this is actually from a person I know very well. This is my brother, Jonathan Falsen at VAM. And this is his question. Hi, Johan. What are the biggest challenges with having a lot of customers in the public sector? And how have you overcome those challenges?
0: Yeah, I think it's been... A number of different challenges, uh, of course. Uh, public sector means that that if you are going to close a, a larger deal, you need to go through some kind of procurement process. It, it needs to be sort of a, a, a tender um, that you need to to um, send in and basically uh, that means that we fall in into different uh, laws in Sweden we call it LOU, the, the law of, of public procurement um, and we have similar sort of within within all the European countries that, that we work within. Um, and that is, is, is of course special um, because it's it's a very strict process um, that works in a, a specific way and we need to really apply with that. so they have a very specific way of procuring, uh, solutions. It's not in the same way as if you would have a negotiation with a private company. Um, and uh, uh, so I, I guess sort of complying with that and, and finding a way to work within that is 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 one of those challenges that need you to rethink the way you do business. The, the other thing I would say that we've been struggling with for at least in the early days was that public sector were really not comfortable buying SaaS solutions at all. So that was sort of uh, what we as a private company see as, you know, God's give, gift to humanity, uh, they believe is, is something really scary because all of a sudden, you know, they buy something and a year later, it's something else, you know, because it's, it, it evolves constantly. And that is, is, I think, for healthcare and healthcare's IT departments have been sort of the biggest fear, what will happen with this thing that we actually bought. Um, and uh it's been a long process, but I believe we have really shown the value to healthcare of delivering a SaaS, it in a SaaS model. So much that, that we've had other companies uh, that want to do the same calling us saying, you know, we, we, we talked to this customer in healthcare and, and they're buying this SaaS solution for you and, and, and they say that you're doing it so well. What is sort of the key to make them comfortable with that? Um, so it's been a long journey, but that has been a big, big challenge. And I would say, finally, a struggle or, or a big challenge that, that we've had with public sector is, is that they tend to, to, to buy something and then you fall into, you know, that's a procurement department and uh, the one you negotiated with in, in the beginning uh, are not the same person who, who will actually procure. And then after it's procured, you know, you have uh, a phase where it's being implemented, that's great, because then you can really uh, be innovative and find the best possible way for for making use of your solution within a healthcare setting. But once that's implemented, you go into sort of someone who will just maintain this, uh, which leads to very sort of few ways of innovating with a customer when you're in, in that phase. So as a saAS company you always you always evolve and you develop new things but one or two years after you actually first sold that product that might not be the same product anymore but they don't really know because that's not the the role for that person in, in a public healthcare setting uh, to implement that solution that you also now can deliver so it's 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 those sort of different they can be a bit siloed uh, at sometimes so it's d- a bit challenging uh, managing all of that and the different stakeholders
1: Jonathan thank you for your question and Joan thanks for the answers let's move on to leadership what is the worst thing according to you about being a leader <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a, it's actually a very good question. I think it depends a little bit, of course, on on, on the situation and the different phases you're in as, as, as a company. But I would say as a CEO in a company that sort of left the, the early startup phase um, uh, and you become relatively big, we're about 85 people today, 90 people. So I, I can sometimes find it a little bit lonely that you have really no one naturally that you can talk to when, when certain things happen um i also miss being able to spend as much time as i would like with customers and partners because the volume of day-to-day stuff that needs to be handled uh, tends to be quite huge so i think that that for me at least is is the worst thing about about being a leader
1: if we shift the focus to the more positive angle then and, and talking about what you like the most about being a leader
0: well, you know, I, I just love being in the position where I can have an impact on on people and strategy and where we're heading as a company. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, it depends where you are in the organization. Not not all leaders could do that, but, but every leader can have an impact on the people that you work with um, to really sort of. Take from that position, see that you can have a group of people, a part of an organization that together will achieve something really great that will add value to, to the company. Uh, for me, that is, is, you know, the satisfaction when you succeed in doing that is, is for me amazing. Um, so I really like that.
1: Why is this important for you to create impact? Why, if you take it one step deeper, what, what do you what do you get out of it?
0: I think for 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 me it's it's like whatever all the all the stuff I've done for for like the last twenty years ha, has always been about making some kind of impact in in people's lives or in the society of some kind. And I think for me it's just it's just a a, a matter of of finding energy when I wake up in the morning to go out and, and really push forward. And, and giving it my all, uh, if, if I don't really feel I'm making a difference, uh, you know there, there there's nothing that really motivates me at all
1: have you Have you done any sport
0: before? Uh, yeah, I, I i have.
1: Because what you just said sounded a lot of like going for the gold or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would say that that you know more than twenty years ago, I I, uh, I was quite deep into martial arts and and uh, did like twenty five hours of training every week. So wow. yeah, I, I, it's it's been a big part of my life.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a quite red thread to many top performing leaders that they have it in many aspects of their life. Thank you so much, Johan. We move on now to this is a quite new segment for for myself and the listeners, uh, but it's it's been a home run and time according to me. So this is the topic of your choice. I want to I want to hear you, Johan, talk about a few minutes uh, something that you are nerdy and passionate about. So it's not just me shooting questions. I I give the word to you. Because I want to see true nerdiness and passion now. And uh, so what do you have as a topic of your choice?
0: Having been in, in the like the startup world since since 2014 um, and, and building a SaaS company, I've been really um, a big part of, of my work for the last years have been about raising capital. Uh, so, you know, we've did the the whole sort of journey from, from family and friends uh in investing to to finding the business angels to going to more institutional capital. Um, and I also, of course, talk to a lot of different uh, industry um, industry friends who, who sort of build tech companies and are, are in this situation as well. Um, and it is something I'm actually passionate about because when you're founding a company and, and, and you need to, to grow and you need external capital to make that happen, uh, you know, obviously, you're going to speak to investors. And if you haven't really done that before, uh, if you're new to it, you're going to go basically to anyone everywhere and just see. you know, can someone give me some money so I can scale my company, right? Because that's what you want to do. You just want someone to believe in you and, and, and invest, and then you can sort of take over the world, right? Uh, I think that's as a founder and, and building a company, that's something you need to really, really think, think through. Uh, you know, how am I going to fund my company? And, and what can be the consequences of that later on in, 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 the, in your startup's life? Because basically, if, if, if you're going to build a company, uh, you know, expect to do that for the next 10 years, you know, it will take a lot of time. And the investor you, you get today will probably be with you in 10 years time as well. Uh, and that means it's a long, long marriage. Uh, and you need really to to sort of get along and you need to have the same sort of uh, s- same philosophy and and share some valuation of, of sort of, you know, what are we actually going to achieve and what is important for me and, and for you, et cetera. Uh, so I think that is is something that that I'm, you know, I'm quite nerdy about that because I, I think it's so important. It can ruin so many startups if you get the wrong investor on board. Um, and at the same time, you know, we've been quite um always focused on on you know in healthcare it takes even more time to build a company. Uh, it can take even longer and 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 you need sort of people on board that will invest for the long run. Uh, so all the kind of the typical VC uh raising capital to an extreme sort of high valuation and they're happy with one out of 20 to be a success and the, and the, the, the rest of the, those sort of 19 that, do, that don't become that successful sort of end up in the freezer somewhere. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sort of, that's not, I don't really like that uh, part of, of, of uh, the venture capital industry. Um, I think fine investors that want to build a great company, um, they might not give you the best valuation today. But they will be with you for the coming years and make sure that together you will grow this into a success. So uh, I, I would sort of give an advice to to companies out there that that don't just go for for the investor that will will give you the best valuation, go for the one that that you can consider being together with for a long period of time and that you believe will will help you become successful no matter what.
1: Thank you. I thought you went uh, deep here and explained a lot of parts of the funding angles. And yeah, for a person that are not are so used to re- fundraising, I think this part is really valuable. So thank you, one. Uh, I, I love this new topic of your choice. So we move on now uh, to the second question from a listener. Uh, and this is from Anna Åslund, the CMO and founder at. Asker Technologies and this is her question at Visiba Care you work to improve the healthcare industry and through that contribute to
0: good public health looking at Visiba's own organization what do you think are the keys to building healthy high-performing teams yeah that's a million dollar question right i think it's a great question you know I, i really believe that you need to be healthy to be high performing over a long period of time and i don't think anyone could argue against that and obviously, you can be healthy without being a high performer, um, but but that would not build a successful company. So I think there's a few things that that's important and that, that we work on quite a lot. Um, so one is to make everyone buy into a higher purpose and really believe in the vision of where you're going, because that, that sort of creates so much engagement and, and will to really make go the extra mile. I think it's really important to work with a close leadership where you establish trust with clear expectation. And um, I think one thing that we have done for, for a long time is, is to actually have relatively many managers, um, which, which perhaps is not sort of the most popular thing to say in these days when, when you shouldn't have managers at all. Uh, but but from, from our way of looking at it, we believe that your, the relationship you have with your, your closest manager leader uh, is really, really important for uh, feeling uh, comfortable, um, trusted in, in an organization. So if you do that, and if you wor- work with that leadership in a good way, I think that is a really big key in creating both healthy and, and high-performing employees. Thirdly, I think you need to focus a lot on having fun because you know people having fun in, 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 at, their, at their job uh, you know, we'll basically just feel better and perform better overall. And, um, and, and finally, I think show by example that health is a priority. Um, that doesn't mean just give people uh, a contribution to buy a, a gym card, but rather make sure that, that you, everyone goes out once a week and work out together and make sure that the, all the managers are there to actually do it because you know one if, if you have been crawling on a floor sweating together you can't really uh, go back and not and, and sort of disagree and not like each other afterwards because all of those sort of barriers are down uh, so i think it's just a great way of building building the team and coming together
1: three strong things and a bonus work i love to work out and i think health is super so, so i love the last part too also so Johan, thank you for the input here and anna thank you for for the question we just ended with soft skills here so then i think it's a good shift to move on to hard numbers johan tell me about which three to five kpis that are the most like deadly serious kpis at visibacare top three to five kpis
0: yeah i i think there you know i i don't think that this will stand out too too much but of course we will look at at our our uh, arr uh, growth to make sure that that the basically that that revenues go growing and, and moving in the right direction, and then within that KPI, of course, we will look at, at many different things, uh, split into each market, different segments, uh, where that ARR comes from. Is it contraction? Uh, you know, what if what affects it? Is it new sales? Is it it uh, uh, expansion on existing accounts? But but looking at sort of that ARR is really important. We, as a sort of a platform for healthcare um, healthcare services, um, we look at the number of patient cases that are being managed in the platform, um, and and even also there, of course, you can have sort of one number. Is is that constantly growing? Then we're making sort of. Then we're moving in the right direction, but we have, we of course manage that and look in deeper into you know what is video consultations, what it what, what is booking of physical appointments, what are are sort of managed um, um, chat uh, between healthcare professionals and patients. So there's you can split that up, but always having an eye on making sure that the volume is there, that is growing, and 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 we're doing the right thing. Then thirdly. Um, we look quite a lot on our employee engagement level, uh, and you can also sort of see that as, as an employee net promoter score or something like that. But for us, sort of having highly engaged uh, employees is is a key to make sure that we build the success we want to long term. Um, and fourthly, I would say that the the customer MPS um, is is really important to make sure that that you know we basically have ha- happy customers and, and that we're moving in the right direction. So those four, I would say, is, 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 is key for us.
1: Thank you. And now I want to quickly understand and know how you are working it all together. What type of framework or system have you built to track this and see what you're doing and have the right goal, etc.? Yeah,
0: so in, in, since 2018, we have implemented and are working with uh, OKRs. Um, so, um, that, that, that's the goal system of, of our choice. It's, it's, you know, it, it took a lot of time to, to get it right, uh, and implement it. How, how long time? I think it's sort of been an ongoing process. So, so, um, you know, of course it, it was implemented in the fall of 2018, but it, it probably took a couple of years to really sort of get our head around, you know, how to, to make that smooth and make everyone sort of a part of that process in a good way. Um, I feel it's working really well now. Um, we recently shifted from having four OKR periods per year to three, uh, which I think made it easier and, and, and a lot better because it didn't really got uh, stuck in the middle of the summer period in Sweden, which uh, is is a bit, a bit of a struggle. So I think three works a lot better for us. But uh, yeah, we're, we're happy with that. And I think it, it's a, a great system.
1: It seems like... OKRs have taken over the place because when I ask this question, the, the majority is like some angle of OKRs, but OKRs are is the thing. So we, yeah, we are on the run up now. This is my VAM oriented question, and this is regarding sales and outreach. What would you say is the best way to do a cold outreach? To you, if I don't know you and I would like to sell something to you and get your attention,
0: the best way is actually to call me. Uh, I would say, you know, I've, I've been personally been quite successful on on doing outreaches on on LinkedIn. I think that channel is starting to drown a little bit because there's so much uh, coming into that inbox right now that you know, a couple of years back, I, I, w- I would typically respond to everything that comes into to to LinkedIn, but that that, that doesn't really happen anymore so i would say the best thing is to actually lift lift the phone call uh but make sure that that your your phone pitch uh is really really good because otherwise i i I won't take the time to speak to you
1: what what is your attention span are we talking how, how many seconds
0: yeah i would say you probably have 10 10 15 at the tops probably 10
1: then it's no thank you for now
0: yeah yeah
1: if you basically people don't have so many people's numbers so if you don't have your number. Would you say, is LinkedIn or email the second best?
0: LinkedIn is probably better than email. Email, it disappears. So would you
1: say that you prefer, if you get a good text pitch, you see a good value proposition, you see some bullets, boom, 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 etc. Is it to prefer a video or do you just, hey, let's jump in 60 minutes in a minute? Or or would you prefer a video as a step before the meeting, but after you have gotten the text pitch?
0: Definitely video... As a sort of a, f- a first step could be re- quite interesting, actually, uh, to ma- allow me to say, you know, is it worth my time or not? I think uh, video can add a lot of value to to that.
1: Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm continuing to collecting data points. So my second goal with this podcast, except learning from smart B2B socios like you, is yes to show to the community, like, hey, look, video, you need to have some sort of video. We move on. It's time to give yourself some advice and not just yourself, me and the listeners too. What would be your top one, two, three things that you would tell yourself now when you know a lot more than you did six years, five years, eight years ago?
0: Well, you know, I I really like the saying, if if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Um, And and like in the early days of a startup, you know, your success depends a lot on you as a founder and, and CEO to like run really fast, acquire those first customers, get that investment or whatever it might be. But as soon as you sort of move into a phase where you're going to scale your company and build out your team, you need to change your whole perspective of what your most important job will be. So make sure that you function together as a team, that you strive towards the same vision, that people feel they're trusted and safe. And if sort of and, and make sure that you hire great, great people that are probably better than you in, in a lot of different things. Uh, I think that, that's what you need to do, um, rather than keep sort of running forward in, in, in as fast as you can. Uh, so that will be an important shift. Uh, and uh, I would give that advice to myself as to sort of realize that that shift needs to happen sooner than you think, probably.
1: And before you maybe go into a second or a third thing here, I, I quickly want just to follow up regarding finding great people. You said, can, can you can you share like one, two, three best practices of how how, how do you do to like see if this person is relevant for Visiba Care? Do, do you have like something in in your process to quickly get to the are we aligned or not?
0: Yeah, I th- I think for me, I'm always like looking for like a growth mindset to see sort of how people think about certain things if they're if they are growth oriented if they like change if they can quickly adapt to new things and new situations so i'm trying to like uh, find out with different kind of questions is, is this person that kind of is, is it that kind of person I'm speaking to or are they a little bit sort of stuck in in you know I, I know these things I know how things work and how the world work and and, and that's it basically if you know that's a big red flag for me uh, if you feel that you already know everything you're not gonna sort of be in, in, in our company basically uh, so I think that's an important uh, an important part for me.
1: Yeah, thank you. That was just a sidetrack. Side and now back to your uh, advice. You, you gave one great advice. Do you have one or two more that you really now know that you didn't know?
0: Well, I guess I would also have wanted to tell my younger self the importance uh, of focus, to choose like, not to build th- certain things in the product, uh, not to serve another market or segment too early. Like If you are laser focused on fewer things, you will for sure be successful um it, it's so easy to sort of spread your uh, spread yourself everywhere and you become sort of relatively bad at everything instead of great at one thing I think that is an an important lesson
1: nice sh- sh- should we stop here or do you have one last thing to throw in here what do you uh, I think
0: that, that that that's what I had so so we'll keep it we'll keep it to that
1: thank you for two great things that uh, you didn't know but now, you know, and the last question I always ask you before I thank you is uh, I'm hoping and fishing for new guests. So I want to know, Johan, one to two, which B2B socios are you inspired by, have built or led cool companies and would like to listen to in this podcast?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I think like as a fellow Gothenburg tech CEO, I think Pierre Lindmarket at Winning Temp is, is doing a great job and has succeeded very well in scaling his company. So it would be interesting to, to hear him, um, um, in this podcast. Um, and then I would also be interested to hear what HubSpot's relatively new CEO trying to remember the name yeah yeah yamini rangan or something like that uh has to say I, you know i always loved hubspot super impressed with what they do the culture they've developed and, and sort of the growth they have achieved so it would be great to to hear her speak but it might be a bigger challenge for you to get her on but but uh, go for it
1: Thank you. I, I I love I love when I get one cl- close relation uh, name. So like, oh, th- this is like you said, I- easier to grasp. And I'm I'm already talking with Pierre. So so thank you for helping me. Like, hey, uh, Johan, he also gave you a shout out, etc. And uh, how spot, I? Right now, I I'm doing this as a European podcast, like nor- Northern European, uh, and then I will go. I, like you said, I need to focus. So my first goal is to be the biggest b2b sauce podcast in europe but hubspot and salesforce are two really great goals to have the ceos there to interview so i think i will succeed with that but that is uh, many years away for now with purpose sounds great then i just want to say uh, before i say thank you to you i want to say to you who listen if you like what you heard and got value please press the subscription button and tell a colleague or a friend hey listen to b2b socios ceos and joan a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes with me to help
0: the community and me to keep on learning thank you josef great that you could have me here appreciate it